Say that the podcast for your big questions get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago, and joining me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the president of Mission USA. I just finished working out. My thighs are burning. Are those connected thoughts or both just truisms? Well, you know, I'll let you decide. Okay, joining us also Jed Brewer, the director of Mission USA Productions. Glenn's thighs roasting on an open fire. I think the Cola State's going to sue somebody, but okay. <laughs> Joining us all the way from our Christianity, one of the pastors of Christ Community Church, Lee Younger. That got weird real fast. And look, here's the thing. I even noticed it in my extreme state of tiredness. Really? And Before we even start this show, I'm protesting that Lee is not in his usual studio space. <laughs> and the whole thing has been thrown off. It's a, it's a sham. It's a farce. Okay. It's, it's, is it a Christmas farce? Yeah. Yeah. But is it? do you think, Glenn, that it's going to affect the wisdom? No question it's going to affect the wisdom because it's got a whole different reverberation. It's going to affect the wisdom when people start turning this off because we're talking about visual things they don't know about. <laughs> <laughs> Look, here's the We want to do a, just a detailed wardrobe rundown. <laughs> Jed's had his hair cut recently. Do you want to maybe do 20 minutes on what it was like before and what it's like now? Listen, let's just get on to the wisdom, if at all possible, given our crazy uh, restrictions we're dealing Look, with. Look, guys, I, I hope it's not throwing off you folks at home. <laughs> even though I am in a different space, and even though uh, Brother Glenn is doing this podcast under protest, mm-hmm. I would love to get to the wisdom, but I can't because I have to declare an emergency. Oh, an emergency? Goodness, is it a Christmas emergency? It's a Christmas Is it Glenn's emer- lack of a- short-term memory to things he's promised not to do? <laughs> it's a Yuletide emergency, folks. Okay, okay. Well. Here's the thing. I am in a state of extreme tiredness right now, and that's because I just left... My house, where we had like our annual uh, high school youth group Christmas party. Okay. Whoa. And this is this is a domicile that normally has five human beings in it. Tonight there were forty. Wow. In there. That's advisable. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was sweet. You know, it was a Christmas party, but as soon as everybody left, you get hit with this tidal wave. Of tiredness, sure. it's inexplicable. It's like, it's like you've been punched in the face by the Hulk himself. Sure. So that's where I, that's where I am right now. So under protest or no, I don't know what my wisdom's going to be like because I just emerged from a Christmas party. Okay, okay. You OC'd. You over Christmas. That happens, man. That you were literally nice. punched in the face or by Orange Christmas. County. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like well, normally the Christians are declaring a war on Christmas. Christmas declared a war on me. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Let me tell you oh, what. Good. I'm glad you're talking about that because it allows me to talk about something I want to talk about. Okay. <laughs> now, you know there's a war on Christmas. I, I've heard that. I, because I, I don't know that there is one because there isn't one, but I've heard that there is one. Let me tell you what. These evildoers yeah. refuse to write Jesus on my coffee cup. Okay. So I'm gunning for you. Okay. Okay. So I started a war on the war on Christmas. Okay. Well, here's what I'm thinking. And this is just me. I'm going to put this out there. Okay. If you don't like it, you send it right back. Okay. Somewhere in the world, somebody probably, because this goes out on the internet, right? I've heard that. That's true. 
It is. We had a whole tin can set up, but it was very labor intensive. It's basically a series of tubes. Right. I I don't have time to explain to you. Gotta flush them out. What happens is we're putting this out there. Well, you know what probably has happened, and we we don't have proof of not this. Mm -hmm. There's probably an Islamic dude that's heard about my war on the war on Christmas and Mm -hmm. has declared jihad on my war on the war on Christmas. Okay. So I would like to declare war on his jihad on the war on the war on Christmas. Uh, Because that's how I do it. Sure. Look, going back to the fact that our listeners can't see any of us right now, uh, Matt has has his (laughs) face buried in his hands in frustration. You know, when future generations look back at what kicked off the Fourth Crusade. Right. (laughs) And then track it back to this podcast episode. It's going to be rough. I am looking forward to uh, Trump Fitzgerald 2016. (laughs) Do not go there. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I go too far? Guy who made a jihad joke? Did I I take it to a a place beyond? Seemed a little uncalled for, y'all. Lord. Well, if you can't tell, we're a little tired of this end, too, because we had our Mission USA bridge Christmas party last night. And for a little extra goosey on the show tonight, that may be because the three of us had to do a lot of behaving. That's true. That's exhausting. There were... Um, respectable church people, people with actual real jobs you have to get up to and go to a place and wear Mm -hmm. pants and all sorts of respectable, functional members of society who wanted to come together in their sweaters Mm -hmm. and eat some nice hors d'oeuvres and sing carols. Right. And it almost killed the three of us. Yeah, that's that's right. We just, we gritted our teeth and powered through. We had a point. Where uh, our friends Pete and Tasha did a great job. They led us in some, led our little crew there in some caroling. So they've got, you know, you got to have options. Mm-hmm. That's apparently a rule. So we get the the packet of kind of Christmas song lyrics. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're going to do a couple and we'll vote on which ones we do. One of them was Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. Uh huh. At which point, you know, the three of us are all kind of leafing through this, kind of openly wondering when it's going to end. And, um, Glenn points to the turns and I points to that one exactly and says, "If this one comes up, I will lose my complete mind." Right <laughs> at that exact moment, someone requests that song. Well, we got only oh, we got we're only going to do one more. Which one should we do? Oh, it's got to be "Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas." Yeah, yeah. Then we had during that song one of my favorite moments was right as a verse ended. He cl- he said he didn't do this in purpose, and I believe him. Those musically talented gentlemen, Brother Glenn, it was, you know, bright, uh, as if a cymbal crash of a sigh at the end of a line. Very good. Didn't really know that that would be heard so widely. Sure. Yeah. Well, I, you know, um, we we take on the, the tough issues. We do. Sure. On this podcast. And uh, sometimes I say things are controversial. Sure. Okay. But here's what I'm trying to say. There's some people who like Christmas music. And some people don't like Christmas music. That's true. And some people hate Christmas music with the burning fury of a white hot heat of a thousand flaming sun. And I dislike Christmas music worse than all of those people. Okay. Okay. So (laughs) the idea. You're way into it. uh, Yeah. So, uh. So yeah, it, it surprised no one that I I just 
you know, gritted my teeth through the very nice of it. Sure. Now, uh, let's, have, let's say this now. Jed's wife and my wife both love this kind of stuff. This That's is true. like their main jam. Yeah, it really is. So we're coming right up on just actively spoiling their happiness with us. There's a lot of that, if we're going to be honest. We, you know. Well, the three of us were rightly um, segregated out into the dining room where everyone else was in the living room. Or, coming, or as a friend of ours who was there put it, why are you three on the porch? Yeah. <laughs> then the answer to that became apparent. Yeah. 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 Now, the exci- we'll close this out on this. The exciting news from the Mission USA Christmas party. And uh, Glenn put out a picture of this on, on the Twitters there, and people seemed to enjoy it. So we had a special guest. Yeah, actually, we did. Jed, would you like to tell us about our special guest and how he came to be at the party? Well, um, is a close personal friend of mine, someone I grew up with. I, uh, I think you should invite him to uh, join us now. Oh, oh uh, this, well, is, this is getting to be like the Second City C team oh, right let me, here. Let me, let me check with him. How would that go? Do, do, okay. Can we meet him now, Jed? Well, hello, everyone. Um, <laughs> inside the Legalistic Studio. <laughs> this is... Legalistic, Jed, and wow, I would say season's greetings, except um, that doesn't specify that it is the season of the Christ. Oh, I see. And <laughs> that would be deeply offensive. There'd be uh, there'd be no context clues that that's what you mean. I don't feel that I can wish you a Merry Christmas mm. uh, because that would presume that your heart was glorifying Jesus. Mm. Um, without that, I don't think you should have Merry glorifying cheeses. Jesus. Oh, <laughs> it's Chicago. It could be the one. Matthew, your levity is noted. But uh, <laughs> thank you. Jed, Noted levity is my favorite kind. Jed, Jed is adding an aspirated H to the middle of the name Jesus to make himself seem more holy. Oh, I, oh, then proceed. I was invited to the gathering. That's not true. Last night, and <laughs> I I meant to to hold my tongue. I, I meant mm. to also not true to keep silent. But um, at a certain point, I, I felt I could keep silent no longer. Was there a certain specific thing that an inciting incident, if you will, Glenjamin? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> there, his name is Glennard, <laughs> and I'll thank you <laughs> to get it right. <laughs> That's was, my Christian name. There was Same. a popular composition, a, a song, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, that uh, made reference to a pagan concept. Mm. Um, and ascribed it power, and uh, I, I simply could not abide that. Um, now, I, which which line was this? Jed? I believe the line was, if the fates allow. Uh-huh. Um, the fates, of course, being a concept from, I believe, a Grecian mythology. Mm. I, I try not to study such things because I don't right. want to sully my mind with the lies of the enemy. Sure. You don't right, want to accidentally right. learn things. That'd be awful. But um, I, I felt that it was my duty as a good Christian man to speak up, um, and I did so. Um, uh, I, I'm sorry to have spoiled everyone's good time, but I would sooner spoil their good earthly time than see them have a good time in hell forever and ever. Well, oh. that's uh, you. You that did escalated. actually yell out at the top of your lungs in the middle of the song, calling it to a complete halt as legalistic Jed. That is, and true. then spiked your song sheet. <laughs> you did spike it, it on the ground. That's correct. And you were Billy White Shoes Johnson. <laughs> That's right. It's like I've, Rob Gronkowski. I thank you. That's a reference from this century. I think I may have frightened our church people guests. Yes. <laughs> well, you also then had to explain your legalistic Jed persona. Yeah. To a 70-year-old inner-city Lutheran church lady. Yes. Yeah. 
Yes, I did. And that's um, the funniest thing that's ever happened to this podcast. <laughs> I'm sorry none of you could share it, right. but it was great. <laughs> well, we Glenn got the picture because after, it's true, I did, I, I had a top of my lungs shouting outburst about the fates being a pagan concept and right. how dare you, yeah. Christmas is about Jesus. Right. I spiked my song sheet in protest and then I yeah. sat down um, with the most flared nostrils I could manage. Right. And that's the photo that Glenn captured and put on the Twitterverse. <laughs> that's right. So... And then immediately after that, Jed noticed the horrified looks of the few ladies we had invited this who had not met legalistic Jed before. Yeah. And the as it washed over him that it was now incumbent on him to explain <laughs> what was going on, <laughs> the look of terror was notable and justified. Yeah. So, you know, Merry Christmas from me and fear the wrath that is to come from legalistic Jed. Right. That's, okay. Uh, okay. That's, you know. Well, that's I would s- I would say that we're all pretty beat yep. by what is Christmas parties. And I think the moral of the story is do not invite any of us to your Christmas party. That's yep. right. That's yep. always the moral. Yeah. Let's let's focus on that for twenty sixteen. Yeah. But Eric, make your that, resolution not to invite us to parties. Right. That being said, you can forward the baked goods that would be at the Christmas party. You can Absolutely. always forward the baked goods. That's right. That's that's just the Christian thing to do. That's let's keep that in mind. Totally. Well, I think that that being said, we can declare a holly jolly emergency off. Emergency off. Yeah, emergency off. What I like is that we started the show by pointing out that we're distracted and tired. Yep. Because that's just salesmanship. Absolutely. Jihad! Thank you. <laughs> I don't even know where to start with that. What if so I jihad you? Yeah. How would you like it? I don't. <laughs> Glenn, do you know what the word jihad means? Not exactly. I <laughs> okay. think it's like when you just are, are you know, like... Like you're a, mad at something? Yeah, you have a beef well, with somebody. Right. Sure, sure. Yeah, it's, you know, it's like uh, if you're fussing and fighting, like roughhousing. Right. That's, that's, that's a jihad? <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah. Do, do you have a lot of political opinions that you express on Facebook? Just... Just sure. curious. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, cool. Yeah, cool. Yeah. All right. Yeah. If you if you're watching, you were recently in Texas watching your children's kids. Would you yell at them to stop jihading each mm-hmm. other if they were kind of bumping and fighting? exactly exactly right? That's I'm sure that went over well in Houston. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Yep. You bet. Well, I'm going to move on because um, you know why. <laughs> Let's see. I've transferred in from some weird stuff into the Bridgebox plug, but... Um, let's see what you can do here. Let's see. I don't know about this. Oh, we just had a call-in come over the wire. Legalistic Jed has been offered the job as provost at Liberty University, so that's... <laughs> like- wow. <laughs> Jed's got... I really feel like Matt brought himself down to our level. Yeah, there. that's good. Wait, wait, wait for the segue. And, of course, he's qualified because Jed has a lot of uh, experience churning out Christian teaching materials. Because he's put out a few issues of Bridgebox, Ooh, which have Bible studies, they have devotionals, they have songs, they have sermons based around a topic. Jihad is not that topic. No. This no. month, that topic was anxiety. Yes. The month of January, our first topic will be, how do I keep going? Yeah. It's about perseverance, a lot of good stuff, a lot of stuff we need. And you give $8 a month, you get the Bridgebox. The most important thing is that you support the ministry that's going on. Up here in Chicago at the jailhouse, we were all three at Division One of Cook County Jail just a few scant hours ago. Tuesday will be at the bridge. You support all that when you sign up for Bridgebox. Uh-huh. And we are very thankful for that. MissionUSA.com slash Bridgebox. We move into our first question here. If you hang out with us all the way to the end, I'll give you some ways to get in touch with us. First question comes in, and it says, I'm obsessed with being perfect. As a little girl, if I got an A- minus on a test and my parents wanted to take me for ice cream to celebrate, I'd have a meltdown and punish myself because I didn't get an A+. Plus. I me still too. D- sure. 
I still do that. I'm a dancer and overwork myself until my choreography is perfect. Me too. Okay. Lynn's known for his dance. It never is since perfection does not exist, but I'm that's in the question, by the way, that's not editorializing, but I'm constantly worrying about messing up or failing when I fail as a dancer. I hate myself and forget how precious I am to God. How do I stop this torture of perfectionism? Lee, why don't you start us off? Sure. Um, thanks for writing in and, uh, you know, I, I actually think this is stuff that a lot of people uh, deal with. A lot of people think this way, and some people don't ever talk about it. But there's a whole lot of competition uh, in, in tons of areas of life that people have going on. Here's the thing that I would think about is, you know, you're good at some stuff, and that's cool. God made you that way, and that's a very cool thing. The next question to ask now is, so what? So what do we do with that? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think the trap here is thinking that excellence or winning or being the best or being perfect or whatever, that that means anything by itself. It doesn't mean anything. It, there, there is, the, you know, like if you were to get the, the greatest prize for dancing or, or grades or whatever, what you would find at the end of that thing is I don't feel any different whatsoever from yep. my normal self. Um, the real question is, God made me this way. He made me good at some stuff, which is really cool. Now, what can I do with those things for him? What can I do with those things for other people? If you're like really, really awesome at like painting watercolor paintings and you decide I'm going to paint watercolor paintings and great ones because I like it and it makes me happy. Now that's awesome. That's a really great thing. It doesn't take any competition. It doesn't need, you don't have to have any ambition around that or anything. Yeah, I do this because I like it. It makes me happy. It's my hobby. That's awesome. That has a goal. It has a purpose. And all of a sudden it has a reason to be there. Mm-hmm. But if, the, if, if everything in your life is I just have to win, then there's nothing, there's no place that ever goes. It's like, it's like walking up a staircase that doesn't have a room at the top of it. There, there's, mm-hmm. It just doesn't end anywhere. So the real question is, what are we going to do with this stuff? Yeah. If you could be the coolest dancer in the world and there's something that God wanted to do with that, or if it was just the way that you unwind at the end of a stressful week, great. If you are awesome at academics because God made you that way and, and you were to ask Jesus, I'm going to, I'm going to work hard at this and I'm going to ask you to open some doors in front of me because I want to serve you in some way with this because of, you know, uh, the job that I get at the end of all the schooling or whatever, then there's no limit to the cool thing that the Lord might open up for you to do. But the real question is, but because you already sense that there's no such thing as perfection. You already know this is making you miserable. It's already wearing you out. So the thing that we got to figure out is, but, and yet you are good at some stuff and you do like to be good at it. The real question is, so what next? What are we going to do with this? The winning or the being the best is is not the important piece. The important piece is what happens with it? What's our goal? And what might Jesus want to do through you using this stuff? And what things in your life can you just organize as these are the hobbies, these are the things where I unwind, these things make me happy, and that's the thing, and I don't have to be perfect in it or whatever, and then these are the things where I'm working hard because Jesus is going to use me in some way. It's the so what question, so what's next, that really that really could start to unlock this thing. Mm-hmm. That's a really great place to start this off, and Jed, I'd like you to get you to maybe talk about, uh, it's a different angle on the same idea because it's such a strong point on this. There's the so what, and then maybe even a more concretely... 
Uh, slightly different angle of that is the then what. It's absolutely. kind of the thought experiment aspect of that. Maybe you can walk us through that. Absolutely, absolutely. If you appreciate this question, I can actually, I'm not a dancer, but I can relate a lot to the stuff you're describing. Well, not professionally. Not professionally. I mean, you know, I, I enjoy dancing here and there, particularly sure. for Glenn. Well, at Glenn. At Glenn. I hate watching Dead Jed dance. It's horrifying. Yeah, it, it's it's one of my favorite things in the world. But, um, but I, I can relate to what you're describing with the perfectionism for sure. So... If you listen to this podcast much, you've heard use the phrase a thought experiment, which um, comes from the world of physics and has to do with just you're going to imagine in your mind, you're going to run a scenario and see in your mind, how would this go? So here's the thought experiment I would encourage you to, to run is if you reach the level of dance master, where you just, everyone got together and agreed, you are the best. You are the best dancer in the world. You're the best mm-hmm. that's ever been. And, and you give flawless perfect performances that are just amazing then what right right then what is that do do, do you still want to dance at that point because is it something where you you just love doing it so i guess i'll keep doing it or is it well i i wanted to see how good i could get and then i was the best and now well i'm done with that so now i gotta find something else and go be the best at it um then what if you if you arrived at that pinnacle of success, that pinnacle of perfection, then what? And the answer to that question is very revealing because what you may discover is there are aspects of dancing that wouldn't interest you at all in that moment. You would say, oh, God, I'm done with that forever. I'm never going back to that. But there's this other thing. I just enjoy it, so I'd always want to do that, even if there was you know no more room, there's no more ladder to climb, no more you know perfection to grow in, that kind of thing. It's very, very important. I'll tell you a quick story from my own life. Um, this is many years ago now, but I uh, was working on a project with a buddy of mine, and he um, had hired actually a, a very famous uh, record producer to work on this project, and um, uh, I, I helped him out with a song that, that I ended up singing and whatnot, and um, I got the finished version of the song back, and, and it was perfect. It was mm-hmm. it was amazing, because really super talented people who weren't me had, had worked on it, and they're They've worked with very, very, very famous people, and um, and it, it sounded amazing. It was it was the the sound I'd been chasing for a long time, and it, you know it sounded incredible, and it sounded like a million bucks, and it sounded perfect. And I remember listening back to it in my living room and going, "Wow, that doesn't change anything in my life at all." Yeah. Right. I, yeah. I, I I got this thing I've been chasing. I, right. I you know I I've, the perfection that I wanted. I I've got right. What what now? What. Exactly. What, yeah. what, what, you, 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 no, the phone's not ringing. You know, right, I mean, it, right. it doesn't. It doesn't change anything, right. right? So I can tell you from a little bit of experience that the thing you're chasing, if you got it, I don't think it would actually do anything. I, I don't think it would actually. Um, uh, um, I don't think it would be the arrival that you think it would be. What I had to go through was I had to get to that point and then realize, okay, but now what do you care about with music? You know, and it, for me, it was serving people with it and finding a way to serve the Lord with it and, and, and help people that are hurting with it. The good news for you is if you can figure out the then what now, you can just start doing that then what today. Exactly. You, you don't have to get to that point of perfection to prove it to yourself and, and, and then do the then what. You can do the then what starting now, which you would want to do because that's where the joy and the satisfaction and the fulfillment are going to be found. Not only is the process of trying to get perfection kind of awful, there's nothing there when you get there. So we can we can do that thought experiment. We can pray through that and just skip to the end of that process and start having fun again. Absolutely. Jed mentioned uh, a th- kind of the thought experiment theory we have coming from physics. We actually have a fair amount of those things around here. 
um, scientific stuff because Jed has a degree in engineering and also because Glenn's father worked for the space program mm-hmm. where he um, came across a theory called 90% of spec, mm-hmm. which really speaks to kind of perfectionism. Can you walk through that, Glenn? Absolutely. Uh, think of it like this. if uh, My father worked as a contractor, so he would put out bids and, and do that thing. and. Uh, NASA would, and they'd say, we want you to build this. And they give you a list of specifications. It needs to be this big, and it needs to run on this much electricity, and uh, you know it can only take up uh, this much space, and it has to do this stuff to this degree, and so on and so forth. And um, he, uh, he and I got to talking about Kelly Johnson, who is the leader of the Skunk Works that designed it, uh, did a similar thing where there were government contractors, and they are building airplanes. And what Kelly Johnson had discovered was that if you took those specifications and made something that was 90% of the way there, uh, so that plane has to fly to a certain altitude, the plane has to go a certain speed, and has to be able to carry a payload of a certain amount of weight. He said if you just took all those numbers, took 90% of all of them, you could build a plane that would come in significantly under budget, way ahead of time, uh, and you would have 90% of what, what they want. Uh, so he began just as sort of an experiment to go back to the, the government and say, here's the thing, your plane is ready now, and we've got extra money that you could have, it's, but it's 90% of where you want it. You can take it and the money now, or we can go back and work on the next 10%. And he said, every single time, they said, oh, no, give us the money and the plane. Thank you, thank you, thank you. That would be great. Because we already inflated those numbers anyway. So that was all this year. That's exactly what we wanted. Okay. But what what my dad would say is you, you waste so much time and energy on that last 10%. It takes... So much of your time, your energy, your 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 gumption, your will to live, your money, everything is it just that last for ten percent is the hardest of all of them to 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 eke out. And if you get to ninety percent, you're essentially there. That's mm-hmm. good enough on just about any kind of a thing you want to do in your world. That may be an a minus, but for most of us, ninety percent of of the specifications is plenty good enough so that's literally our goal around here if we're past 90 percent, we know we need to start winding down fooling with it Mm. you know maybe you have a little thing you want to try to tweak and whatever and that's fine but that's more just an optional which makes it a little bit more in the realm of fun uh but uh, what i would suggest that you do just to wrap this up is to recognize you've set it up in your brain that perfect means you can relax and be happy yep okay as you say, and you're right, you can't ever be perfect. So that means you can never be relaxed and happy. So that's the, that doesn't work. Here's the truth. Let's let's start with the truth here. You are not perfect, never will be. You're a sinner. I'm a sinner. Everybody on the podcast is a sinner. And Jesus loves you anyway as you are now. Do you need to make changes? Yes, you need to make changes. But. Jesus loves you as you are, 100%. When you accept that grace and that love and that forgiveness from Jesus, it means you're living in a world where you are a screw-up and you are saved anyway. Mm -hmm. It's time 
for all the Christians listening to this podcast to go ahead and grab a great big bag of acceptance of that. Mm-hmm. You are yes. you are in this thing without deserving it, never will earn it, don't have any kind of a, a, um, a, a sense of this is something I should have or that I have worked or I have achieved. I'm saved by grace, not by works. That's absolutely right. I'll close out by this on this talk about the something Glenn mentioned right there of you, you can never be perfect, which means you can never relax and be happy. Um, there are certain cultural aspects of certain cultures and uh, American kind of suburban Christian idea being one that says, that's good. That's exactly what we need is for you to never relax and be happy because then you'd get all complacent. Yeah. Right. Yep. And to, to blow that out to a, uh, to an example that people often, um, kind of use this kind of same thing and say, you can't just give people basic necessities of life because then they get all lazy and they never want a job. Yeah. Here's the thing is we all, especially the three of us here in Chicago, we all know people who want to work. And the fact that they can afford to not die of a preventable illness mm. would not change their desire to work. Yeah. In the same way, you're talking about here, somebody who loves to dance is not going to not work hard at wanting to be good at dancing if someone comes along and says, that was pretty good. Yep. But again, and we're going to get more into this in our next question. There's a whole media kind of narrative machine around this idea, and it's a lie. Yeah. It's homing about, you know, Michael Jordan got up at 5 a.m. and he beat, he remembered every shot he didn't miss instead of every shot he made. And that's, and <laughs> you know, Peyton Manning gets up and he, watched, he only watched the film of the interceptions. He never, all that's totally made up right it's not true yeah everybody 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 athlete artist businessman whatever goes home at the end of the day yep not because the thing's done because it's time to go home that's yeah. right in michael jordan's case that was that was going home and gambling but that right. doesn't have to be the case for you that's right. just what he did right that's up to you, up to you. And, and, and can i just real quick because sure. I, I love what you're saying here because it has to be said that that uh, the people on this podcast are extremely driven people. Good lord! Uh, sure. d- on things that can never be perfect, on no preaching or ministry or music, no or stuff question. that can't be right. No yeah. question about that. And we we are overworkers. We are perfectionists. There's no doubt about that. But I have gone, uh, to, I know, to both of you and said. Go find a hobby or something that you are not good at sure. and do that because because we are very, very good at the sort of a narrow specialization mm-hmm. of a type of urban ministry that we do, and that gets in your head, you know. And hence you wind up with Jed Brewer on a skateboard. That is, that's You, you got to do something. Coming you re- to an ER near you, <laughs> Jed Brewer on a skateboard. It's, it's just good for you to just suck at something yeah. and say, it's okay. Because you get locked yeah. into this idea. Yeah. And a lot of us, I think maybe our friend wrote the question, you get locked into this thing from birth that you can only enjoy things you're good at. Right. Yeah. That's how you know what you should enjoy is you find out what you're good at, and then you just decide you enjoy that, right. which robs you of a lot of stuff. Lee, one more thing. Well, not, not only that, but the, the thing that you have to understand about all this achievement being awesome at stuff is the window is rapidly closing. Yeah. You know, especially yeah. on all this physical stuff. If you're the, you know, even if you were the greatest dancer in the world, if you were the greatest swimmer in the world, the greatest sprinter in the world, you don't have long. I mean, even the greatest Olympic athletes, they get two or three Olympics and then that's over. Yeah. You yeah. know, if you're right. living yeah. an 80 year life and you were at the top of your game for eight years, 
you got 90% of your life, you got to figure something out, you know? Yeah. And so the, you know, even if you are the greatest in the world at something, that window is closing rapidly. You got to figure out what else is there. What, yeah. what is that thing for? What can I do with that thing? Where does the Lord fit in this? And what else is my life about? Amen. 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 I'll cl- one kind of quick thought, close this out. Cause a couple of things you mentioned specifically, you know, that I'm constantly worried about messing up or failing. Um, as Glenn pointed out, the easiest way to do that is um, fail, and then yeah. you won't die. Yep. And people will still talk to you. And uh, Glenn actually makes a great point: to pick a hobby you're you're bad at, fail at something you don't care about, right. and then just grip that. I was sharing this idea with with Jed a little while ago. I have never really in my adult life played video games. They they frighten and confuse me. I tried to bash them with a rock. Mm-hmm. We had a friend who had an older system he was getting rid of. Said. Take it, enjoy. So I'm playing the game, and it's one where you're the Batman. And I'm so bad at this that they have, like, you're, you can listen in on the henchman. And this game got so frustrated, it literally started having the henchman have a conversation about how they would complete this mission if they were Batman. Yeah. Wow. Like, well, if you were Batman, what would you do? I don't know. I'd probably use that grapple hooky thing he's got and go to the top of this, and that's probably where a door would be. Yeah. <laughs> But, yeah. <laughs> again, doesn't mean it's not fun to run around pretending to be Batman, because a uh, video game doesn't have anything to do you're, with my life. You're saying the video game actually felt sorry for you. Yes. Yes, literally. It, if, well, if possible, if I had one of those, like, you know, the camera, it would have reached out and patted me on the head. Yeah. Well, can, There's no doubt did, about it. Even while you're sucking at it, do you still, do you still just under your breath say, I am Batman? It, it wrecks my voice. I tried. <laughs> I tried. <laughs> but to. also, the point here, uh, I'll go back to, uh, again, this point is that uh, as a little girl, if I got an A-, minus, the parents want to celebrate, and I would want an A+. Plus. That's a lot of little kids have that idea. But as you get older, here's the thing. No college in the history of humanity, short of like wanting to be a Rhodes Scholar or whatever, has said, ah, that 3.8, just, mm. no, nah, can't do no it. Close cigar, friend. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and we, we can all uh, tell you this as people who have had adult jobs. As soon as you get your first job in the world, no one ever asks about your GPA yep. Yep. Ever, again ever again in the history of your life. Yep, yep. That never happens. It's okay. And even the people who ask about your GPA, nobody's ever said, I'd love to hire you, doctor, but 3.9 just isn't going to cut it. Yep, right. So, again, it makes sense unless... You got to, it's one of the situations we talk about a lot where you got to push through that initial emotion and engage the analytical side of your brain, which is obviously very strong, and say, as all these guys are saying, what does this really mean? Yep. And if the answer is nothing, work on t- look, working towards acceptance, as Lynn was talking about bit by bit there. I right, move on to our next question here. It came in anonymously to our Tumblr inbox, and it says, Love the podcast. Thank Correct. You. Yes. And I really do need you guys to help me deal. I'm sure you've heard about the Ed Cash thing. And before that was the Duggars controversy. And I just need to know, can I really trust any of these people? Isn't anyone checking up on these people who are a major influence on Christian culture? Before I throw this around at the fellas, I will give you some very quick backstory in case you aren't sure. I'm sure everybody heard of the Duggars thing. Basically, there's a family here in America that got a reality TV show for how awesomely Christian they were, evidenced by the fact they had 19 kids, which apparently... Is super means Christian. You're super Christian. Came out that one of the older brothers had a very long uh, history of sexual abuse, uh, performing sexual abuse, not having fun on him. And uh, the parents, uh, good church going people that they were, tried to cover that up to maintain their reality TV show. Yeah. Now, with this, you may not be as familiar with this, uh, the Ed Cash thing. There's a guy who's a, a music producer in Nashville. He's produced every, most of the big Christian worship songs 
that have been around. The ones they play at your church. Yeah, if you go to a mainline church that plays something off the Christian radio, you have sung a song written, co-written by this guy. So Christianity Today did a big piece last week, I guess, that basically this guy is a member of a church that could very, very accurately be described as a cult. Yeah. Where the pastor, who they had block quoted as saying, some people call me a cult leader, and I don't mind that. Um, is involved in a lot of financial malfeasance, as in like uh, the state of Tennessee, his board and stuff doesn't conform to what you have to be to be a nonprofit. A lot of stuff came out that he has been accused of several instances of uh, sexual abuse of quote-unquote church members. So that was kind of a big thing. If there's a guy, and he's as mainstream as it gets as you get. I'm talking about songs that are prominently spun on K-Love and played at every uh, major Christian church in the world. So that's kind of what we're talking about. These are people who whether that's a TV network or Christian radio producers or churches who invite these people to speak or listen to play in this wider celebrity culture. Basically the question here we're asking is, doesn't anybody check up on that? Jed, why don't you kick us off? Right on. Thanks for writing in. Um, I'm really glad that you contacted us um, and it makes sense that it's weighing on you and I'm sorry for it. You asked, uh, can you trust any of these people? And my response would be that absolutely, you can actually trust all of them. Um, you can trust them to be fallen, imperfect people who have mm-hmm. struggles in their lives just like you do. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's actually all we have here on planet Earth. We, we have only sinners. Um, the, in fact, the only division in humanity is sinners who um, are saved by grace and sinners who aren't. That's, that's it. That's, that's the only thing we've got. Um, so the thing that you shouldn't trust is when you see people portrayed as perfect with no problems. Right. Um, that that should uh, alarm you, and you should trust that that portrayal is false. Yeah. Um, you should trust that there is really tough stuff being hidden behind the scenes. Uh, you should trust that because, again, we only have sinners down here on planet Earth. Um, there's a narrative that gets spread by Christian media that effectively says there are sinners like you that probably look at naughty things on the internet. And then there are really amazing, squeaky, pe- clean people like the Duggars that just run on pure holiness. Right. And maybe if you try super hard, one day you could be like them. And not not only the Duggars, but it's the same thing that says, or insert famous Christian band here, exactly or right. famous megachurch pastor, or um, famous megachurch pastor from the past, yep. or his author from the past mm-hmm. who's well-respected, but yep. we're going to kind of canonize them yeah make no mistake c.s lewis had struggles same as you do hello right. he uh, wrote about him he and he wrote about it uh, he was a little more honest about him exactly right and i'd like to talk about that for a second because that's really important here's the thing the bible says repeatedly that we're all sinners right. um roman says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of god james says we all stumble in many ways first john says if we claim we are out without sin we lie and the truth is not in us there are no exceptions at all but this is important Whenever you have a situation where you are hiding the things that you struggle with, those struggles are going to get 10 times worse, 10 times more severe, and 10 times more twisted. Um, That's that's one of the things, you know, whenever this stuff comes out, I think one of the things that shocks people is there's always kind of a twisted, weird quality to it, right? It's not just that this famous Christian musician has struggles, it's that he's involved in something really weird, right? It's generally not just that famous Christian X, you know, uh, did something sexual that was uncool. It was really kind of weird and messed up, right? Well, this is the thing. When we hide things, that's what happens. Um, Hiding things makes things worse. It makes things get more dark, more twisted. That's an inevitability. As a bit of inside baseball, something that we talk about a lot is 
when uh, whenever we hear a person giving a really fiery condemnation in a sermon or a book or whatever of a particular sin, that's our cue that they massively struggle with that sin and are not doing well in that struggle. Right. Right. So if you if you read a blog post, for example, where someone talks about how pornography is just the worst thing in the world, it's the greatest scourge in the history of mankind. We shall be broken beneath the weight of our transgressions. That dude looks at a lot of porn. That dude looks at a lot of porn. Right. When you hear a megachurch pastor pounding the podium and talking about the evils of same-sex marriage and, and homosexuality and whatnot, uh, nine times out of ten, that dude is trying to figure out what to do with his own um, same-sex attraction impulses and has no idea, and right. it's freaking him out. Right. right. Um, people that are dealing with their problems in a healthy way where they're making progress, there tend to be two things that are true about it. First, they don't mind telling you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people that are, that are facing their problems head on are willing to tell you, I have problems. Um, I have struggles. I have, I have issues. And the second thing is they tend to have a far more relaxed tone about it. Um, it, it tends to be far more along the lines of, I've tried a lot of things. These things work pretty well in helping with that struggle. These other things don't really work at all. So if you're having that struggle, I'd recommend these things over here. I wouldn't recommend these other things because they don't really work. They never work for me, right? Mm. A perfect example of that is people that are in addiction recovery. You know, maybe people that um, have dealt with a certain amount of alcoholism and they're you know, perhaps involved in AA, Alcoholics Anonymous, or something along those lines. People that are doing well with that, A, have no problem saying, oh, I'm an alcoholic. That's, you know, uh, that's, that's my thing. And thing two is when they talk about their sobriety and working steps and the process of, of working to, to remain sober, um, it's, uh, it has a certain tone to it. It has a certain tenor to it. It's, you know, well, you know, I've got to work my steps. I've got to take it one day at a time. You know, I need to, to, to get that strength each day. Um, you know, uh, I've learned, you know, a lot of bold proclamations of I'll never do that again actually don't work. They tend to make it worse. So, you know, if you're dealing with something, I, I might look at X, Y, and Z. I think that might help you. That's actually the sound of a person that's doing a really good job with their struggle. That's, that's what that sounds like. When you hear people that are, that a lot of fiery rhetoric and they, they claim they've got all the answers and whatnot, that's usually a sign of someone who has no idea what they're talking about and is having a massive struggle and is getting their butt kicked by it. Right. So to bring that all together before I kick around to these other guys, we're all sinners. That's it. That's all we've got. Anytime, in any context that you see or hear people portraying themselves or being portrayed as just above it all and just perfect and just perfectly squared away, you can set your watch yeah, buckle up. on how long it's going to take before not just something bad comes out, but something really, really bad and really, really messed up mm-hmm. comes out. Because that's how that always, always ends. It's totally right, and Glenn, you can uh, if you can get us just kind of look at the idea of the thing we need here. Something it's a godly virtue, but it doesn't get talked about as much as well. Almost any other godly virtue that's called discernment. Absolutely right. I think you know part of this. Uh, I like what Jen was saying there a lot because what he's trying to do is give us a bit of a yardstick, you know. And I think discernment opens the door to that, where we begin to learn how and what what are the hallmarks or what are the identifying qualities. And I love what he's talking about there with, with honesty, uh, authenticity, you know, putting it out there. Uh, uh, you know, as you know, <clears throat> the Bridge program that we run, we invite pastors to come and preach every week. And these are the best pastors we can find. And I had one of those pastors uh, come into the service, uh, standing by the doors. He came in, 
and uh, grabbed him, gave him a big hug, and I asked him how he was doing. And he kind of leaned in close to my ear, and he said, basically, I'll I'll I'll, I'll skip over some details, but uh, a a woman had kind of come on to him, and uh, it was one of those things where I think he he well, he made it clear he rejected it, but. I think he felt more tempted than he thought he should be sure. on that. Uh, and then he said, you know, I got with a couple of other guys uh, from the uh, from the denomination there, uh, pastors. We prayed about it. I feel real good about it. Uh, but I just want to be honest. That's And, That's and I actually want to kind of weave that into what I'm talking about tonight because I think it's a, you know, a thing of being tempted and how do we deal with temptation. And... I felt totally comfortable with that. Sure. Now it, it's he's talking about you know something in the realm of bad stuff here, but I know where it starts and ends. Mm-hmm. You know, this is not a a, a thing, a hidden thing. This is not a uh, a, a thing where uh, there's a, a he's projecting I'm perfect, and he did. He got up and he said, you know, I I've I've been dealing with some temptation today. And I've been struggling with that, and I had to get some prayer on that. So that means when you get problems in your life, you have to get, you know, and so on and so forth. So I think uh, for me, I feel more comfortable, as Jed is saying, when I know what the problem is, mm-hmm. when I see this person isn't perfect, you know, and, and so on and so forth. Um, the other thing I think uh, that I would put out there is sort of a yardstick there that we can use to measure uh, and and you know besides this honesty and authenticity is this person that's giving us this spiritual advice is their mission to show me how to do more good in the world mm-hmm. by them doing good and showing me how yeah now you say well Glenn I don't know any of people like that at the Christian bookstore. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what you're about to find out about a lot of those people at that Christian bookstore. Yep. Okay. Uh, so, uh, and I don't have a, a care for that. I, that's, you know. But there's a lot of people in the world that talk about doing less wrong. You know, look at our family on this reality TV show. They're so holy. Mm-hmm. That's what you got to be is less wrong. Your yep. family's wrong. You got to be less wrong the way we are. Mm. Uh, there's other ones like you were saying where they're condemning, uh, harshly condemning uh, pornography or homosexuality or uh, Muslims or whatever it is. They're just picking on somebody or some group or some activity and saying, that's evil, evil, evil. You got to mm. stop it. You got to stop it. You gotta... Okay. It's all fine and good. But are they helping you grow are they helping you move forward are they helping you accomplish something good in the world and uh, all of these people that seem to have all of these problems when you hold that that yardstick up to that that they're not on that Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. they're all um sort of trying to create this false impression they're using on guilt manipulation making people feel bad about the sins that they're doing and then when they change that lifestyle out of guilt for a few minutes they feel like well i'm real holy mm-hmm. and then suddenly they look up and the guy who was flinging all this uh, this uh, uh, guilt was doing it himself the mm-hmm. whole time mm-hmm. well that's because guilt doesn't transform us the way love does mm-hmm. and uh, uh jesus says follow me that means get off you behind and move in a positive direction uh a, a godly person is helping you do that mm-hmm. they're not trying to uh uh 
create emotionality. They're not trying to uh, create manipulation. They're not trying to create sort of this warm, fuzzy bubble for you to be in. Any of those things, they're saying, there's a lot of good we can do here. Let's do it. Mm-hmm. It's ex- going to be exciting. It's going to be fun. We can, we can make a difference, and, you know, let's go, that kind of thing. And those are the people I think you want to follow. Amen. Absolutely right, Glenn. I'd like to pick up on something. Lee, I'd like you to pick up on something Glenn said there. He noticed that uh, the people who do those kind of things probably aren't at the Christian bookstore or on the cable yeah. uh, television with reality shows. So part of the, the idea here is not only can you look up to people who have a significant influence on the Christian culture, but should you even be wanting to? Maybe you can walk us through that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean... You know, I, I look at your question, and, and definitely I think this stuff is confusing. Um, I, I think it's a difficult thing to to try to, you know, to try to kind of weather stuff like this when it hits. It's like this is it's disorienting. You know, I, you, you know, you, you feel like I, I listened to this person's music and, and I trusted them or whatever. And they were I, they were on my team. And, I you know, and that, that's a weird thing. But the deal is, is, you know, one of the questions is, should I trust them at all? You know, should I give them that place in my life where I'm putting the, them up on this pedestal where, as Jed says, nobody belongs up there? Yeah. And so when when they fall, because everybody falls, uh, you know, what's that going to do to me? The, one of the problems with people in this kind of Christian media is that the because it is mediated, there is a there is a space between you and them. Uh, you don't see what their real life is like. Yeah, so you don't right. actually, all you see is the shininess of the Dove Awards that they win for the music they're producing. You don't actually see the struggles that he's got with his friends that he's talking about or whatever. You know, you don't see the real person. You just see the mediated person from across the whatever of whatever you're buying. You know, for me, I don't, I don't want the the famous Christian influential whatever. I I don't want to even think about whether or not I trust them or whether or not they speak for me or anything like that. They don't. That's why you want to have people in your life that the people that you trust and the people that have influence over you are people who have answered the question, I would rather be a servant than a celebrity. Yeah. And really that goes back to what Glenn is talking about. You know, d- having the discernment to decide that the people who are going to impact me on an emotional level, who are going to impact me in that, the ways where I'm like, I trusted that person, that I look at them and I see this is a person that serves people. This is a person that serves me. This is a person that cares about my needs. This is not just, you know, I mean, I'm not saying that you shouldn't buy somebody's music if you dig it. If you dig somebody's music, go buy it. But you don't have to look at that person as, this is a person I really trust, or this is a person that really speaks for me, or something else. That There's a difference there. You know, because everybody's going to like different kinds of music, but this doesn't have to be the people that, that speak for you or that, or that you trust. Um, as, as believers, I think it's so important, it's so important that the people that you entrust your life to, your heart to, the people that have influence over you are people that you know what they're really like and they know what you're really like. That's, yeah. an, important, that's an important thing because if it's mediated then you're not going to see them walking through their struggles. I think that's, that's where we come down on this thing is 
that the people that I entrust my life to are people that I see their real life. They see mine. They're mm-hmm. honest about it. I'm mm-hmm. honest about mine. And then, you know, the famous Christians that are writing the books or making the music or whatever, if you like the book, read it. If you like the music, listen to it. Play it in your car. But you don't have to entrust yourselves to them, and they don't have to speak for you. Amen. Amen. It's a really fantastic point. The way I'd like to end this is kind of piggybacks right on what Lee is saying there. Um, part of this, if you'll go with me for a second, part of this is the way we worship celebrity in this yeah. culture, and Christian mm-hmm. culture is worse about it than anyone, mm-hmm. um, is the way, it, part of that is the problem with how we worship emotion. Mm-hmm. And here I'll tell you what I mean by that. So a lot of people were, blo- were really taken aback when they say, well, but I listened to the music this guy wrote. And it made me feel so good, and I felt like I was, you know, really holy. It was a big experience. There were laser lights. So then, if I find out that this guy's on something hinky, fraudulent, whatever, what does that say about the thing I felt? Right. What does that say about me? Mm-hmm. A couple things on that. One, you, sh- as we talk about a lot on the show, you should navigate things about your feelings. Yeah, right. Um, your feelings are fraudulent. That's yeah. in the Bible. Yeah, sure, sure. Um, that's that's just true. But also, that's the way we all consume media. Yep. Everybody says, I like this thing that this person's put out. It's a product. Yep. Everything, every book you read, and that includes, you know, your C.S. Lewis's and your Charles Burton, whatever. Right. They put it in a book. It was edited. Yep. This is a product. The song is a product. The sermon is a product. The reality TV show is a product. So you shouldn't expect that to be a whole thing. That can't do what a relationship could. Now you can plug and play. On We all here have um, musicians we like and uh, authors we like and all that stuff. And that... The stuff in there has been a huge blessing to us, some spiritual stuff. And all of us have, I personally, all the time about me, I have sec, no, of secular uh, musicians, authors, actors, whatever, who I know they're terrible people. Sure. It's documented. They're right. awful. I would never want to spend five minutes in a room with them, but I really like the books. Yeah. Right. And actually, those things don't need to be disconnected because the, the, the product is not the person, the person is not the product. As Glenn kind of start us off with here, there's this idea of, um, the super holiness is what makes it good. Yeah. Here's the thing. We've said this on the show before, but it's been a while. No one you have heard of doesn't spend all of their time and all of their money making sure you've heard of them. Yeah. That's how that <laughs> right. works. Right. That's actually not a judgment. That's just how that is. And we say, right, right, right. how could so-and-so do this? None of these people are in ministry. Yeah. Right. Even if, the, I don't care if you got the term pastor, if you spend, you know, here, we'll go back to the Bible, where you put your treasure yeah. tells yeah. you what we're looking at. So if you put more money and time into marketing than into going to the jail and the hospital, you are a media personality. Yep. Mm-hmm. Again, not a judgment. That's cool. Right. But we have to treat media personalities, all of them, across the board with a totally different measuring stick, as Glenn said, than we treat ministry people, pastors, all that stuff. Which is actually a good thing because then you can just like the stuff. Yep. Right. You can like the songs. You don't have to worry about it. But that detachment is something that we have to. This goes back to the, the discernment thing because we have to instill that in ourselves because whole marketing campaigns are based around this person's just like you. Yeah. And they're like the things you like and they feel the way you feel. And that's why you should buy their thing. But you got you to gotta kind of put on your, uh, your big boy pants there and fight against that a little bit. Yeah. All right. Move on to our final question here. It comes in anonymously to our Tumblr inbox and it says. I think that Christmas is hitting really hard. Not not in the way it's hitting Glenn hard. Okay. Really? Everyone has a need. Many of my friends are missionaries and seeking financial support for the new year. I'm trying to give to everybody as I love them dearly and I want to support them, but I'm starting to push the limit of what is reasonable for me to sustain myself as well. 
I'm a student and I work part-time. I do want to help others and to support the work of the Lord. I do believe that if we do not go, we need to help others who are doing the work. But I'm slowly getting more and more broke and more and more guilty and more and more stressed out. I want to have some savings, but I also don't know if I'm giving enough. Should I start to give people less? If I try to give a, have a goal of giving 10%, does that need to be 10% of, to my church and then other stuff to missionary organizations? This is majorly stressing me out, and I don't want to be selfish. Glenn, can you help us out? You're doing it all wrong. <laughs> I just thank I, you, Glenn. That helped. <laughs> uh, I, I I like uh, taking that guilt and just amping it to a thousand. Glenn or, believes in the know. learning to swim by getting pushed in the lake theory. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it, here's what I'm saying. Um, uh, the the first thing the Bible tells us really about giving in this kind of context is to be cheerful. You've lost the cheer, therefore you're doing it wrong. It doesn't matter the amounts. It doesn't matter whatever. And look, uh, let's be clear. Uh, uh, the the people on this podcast, we get this. This is how we pay our bills. It's exactly what you're yep. talking about here. Yep. If 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 you hear me tell you to mellow out, I'm embracing the possibility that might cost me money. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So don't take that as a light thing. Mm-hmm. You know. But I would rather have you obey Scripture. I would rather have you feeling excited and good about what you are doing. Yes. Uh, and have it cost me money than to get money that you're giving that, that, that God isn't intending for you to give that makes you miserable to give it. Mm-hmm. So please, let's, let's make sure we start there. Uh, I think we have to get out of the cookie cutter. That's yep. the first thing. You know, this idea of there is a one right amount that I must give, and if I don't do that, I'm yep. somehow doing a bad job. Uh, or that I need to give to every different thing, or I need to give a certain amount to each every different thing, and whatever, whatever. Uh, what if, just what if, I'm just going to put this out there. What if... I gave you a certain amount of money. It could be a lot. It could be a little. And I said, this is not your money. It's not for yours to keep. This is just money that you are going to decide where it goes. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to be the head of a foundation or whatever. Or you can just be, I give you $100 and say, donate it anywhere you want. Well, you would maybe be overwhelmed by the possibilities. But uh, hopefully, again, if you're thinking outside the box, you might come up with an idea that's really cool, yeah. that's really interesting, that's, you know, sort of a different way of thinking about this stuff than you had before. Mm-hmm. I could give it to this, and then that would impact this, and then those people could do something with it over mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. You know, the, for example, just to throw out an example, you could do micro-giving. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are a lot of uh, third-world countries where you can do a micro-loan where you give a small amount, they use that to buy a product, and then they make something with the product that they've bought, and then they sell that for more, mm-hmm. uh, and then they can pay that loan back off, and then so you get your money back. It's not a guarantee, but that micro loan thing allows you to actually give, and then it, in in mm-hmm. most cases it comes back. So that's for someone who doesn't have any money to give. They sure. could just keep giving the same thing over and over again. The possibilities are endless. And I want you to feel more like a kid in a candy store yeah. than yeah. Yeah. you know someone who's got uh, uh, you know all these obligations out there. I think uh, over time you may develop a, a, a sense of excitement about a certain part of the world or about certain uh, missionary friends that you have out there 
or you know like the youth ministry at your church or any kind of thing mm-hmm. and i want you to 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 I want you also to develop the mentality of I can give it whenever, wherever, however I want. Yeah. You know, the, you're you're being accountable to God, and you're you're getting some inspiration from God, but don't say, "Well, there's a there's a cultural convention that I need to follow here," or some imagined biblical guideline. Um, so, for example, you could, um, uh, uh, you know, you're talking about it's important for you to give. Uh, if you're not able to go, so to speak. The mm-hmm. missionaries are out there in a way that you can't be, so you're giving to that. Great stuff. Uh, but am I supposed to give to my church also? Well, here's the thing is if you're giving to uh, missionaries and you're excited about that and you're burdened about that, well, here's the thing is you can volunteer mm-hmm. at your church because you can do that locally. You can't do what these mm-hmm. missionaries are doing out in the world. And there are a lot of churches that will tell you they would rather have volunteer power than sure. uh, money. That the, the money is often a bit tight depending on the way they set their budget, but they're always underpowered when it comes to volunteers. Absolutely. So you, you may discover that there's a way for you to cover more bases with the same uh, uh, commitment mm-hmm. that you have. Mm-hmm. That's more the thinking that we want. How can I make this go the furthest? You know, I, I had a, a, a guy... Uh, who kind of works in finance? Uh, uh, call me back in, uh, or call me up and say, "Can I see a copy of your budget?" And I said, "It, I can. It, it will all fit on one page. I can, you know, I can practically write it up from memory. That's it's, you know, almost all staff input, not much. <laughs> yeah, output, whatever came in. Yeah, exactly right. It is all staff salaries and uh, a handful of paper clips. What yeah. are you? What else? What other detail do you want?" Uh, but he took that and he compared that to his church budget yep. and said, well, um, in my mind, I'm a finance guy. Mission USA is getting so much more money done per dollar right. than my church. So I'm going to put that money where it's going to go the furthest because as a, as a finance person, that's, that's, just what kind makes sense to me. that's just kind of his personality. I'd rather see you start there and say, yeah. Lord, um, that's what gets me excited but now give me some direction within that. Give me, steer mm-hmm. me, guide me. If that's not quite the right thing, or if it's if I'm yeah. in the ballpark, you know that I think let's start with excitement. Mm-hmm. I think you're absolutely right. Uh, the Glenn mentions the verse about God loving a cheerful giver. That verse has a back half, which is so that everyone should give what he just has decided in his own heart to give. Yeah, mm-hmm. so that's, that's right. another kind of aspect of that. Not only we need to find the joy in that, but then we need to not worry about the pressures and the equality and the math of it, but what we've decided in our own heart. Lee, maybe you can walk us through that. Yeah, absolutely. The, this is the cool thing. I love everything about what Glenn's saying there, and I love the idea of the kid in the candy store. And and the idea that God, like God is looking at your heart. You know, God is looking at the way that you feel about it, what you, who you're excited about giving to, all that kind of stuff. He doesn't care. Here's one thing. God doesn't care what anybody else thinks about your giving. Amen. Right, right. God doesn't right. care what your, you know, what your church treasurer thinks about your giving. God doesn't right. care what your parents think about your giving, what anybody that, you know, people that think you give away too much money, you know, or people that think, you know, so you're a fool or people that think, you know, you're really not giving enough money because, you know, the missionaries are out there laying their lives down or whatever the thing is, whatever, whatever the, the stress, the guilt, I imagine those are coming from two different sides at once, kind of pulling you like kind of a tug of war. God doesn't care about any of those people's opinions. He cares right. about your heart. Yeah. 
And and he wants you to he wants you to give cheerfully like Glenn is saying, and he wants you to decide that. That's a really cool thing. Each one should give what they've decided in their own heart to give and do so cheerfully. Um, I, and one thing that's we've talked about this before, but you uh, God doesn't want you to give away everything you have so that you literally starve to death and don't have any resources. Um, right. He doesn't want you to bankrupt yourself because then you, if you can't take care of yourself, well, then you can't give anything away yeah. anyway. So, you know, you don't want to take this to some kind of crazy extreme that doesn't even make sense if you say it out loud. Uh, the the only the thing I would say, another way to kind of think outside the box on this, Glenn mentioned, you know, serving at your church and stuff like that. If you have a friend who's going, you know, who's raising money for a particular mission or, you know, uh, you know, certain whatever, and you know that you just can't give to that right now, have you ever considered just telling them, um, I love what you're doing. I want to be on the inside of what you're doing. I'd love to get your, your update email. I want to pray for you. I am not in a position right now to be able to give financially to this cause. But I want to stay in the loop because when when I get opened up on that, I want I want to be on your team. And and then and th- this is just a suggestion. You do whatever you want with it. But um maybe write them a letter. You know, they send you a support email, write them a letter. Put it in the put it in the post office and send it to them. Put a stamp on it. Make it in your handwriting and just encourage them. You know, I read your support e- email. It's so cool what the Lord has done in that one little thing or whatever. And and I'm praying for you in this way. I'm praying for your encouragement in this thing. Make it specific, make it encouraging, just build them up and send it to them. And this is what I can tell you as somebody who as Glenn said, as somebody who lives on the support of the sacrificial giving of the saints, getting an encouraging letter written in somebody's hand, that means a whole lot. Sure. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it means a whole lot. And it costs you about 47 cents uh, for the stamp, and it's something that you can do, even if you can't give. It's just kind of a thinking outside the box, a, a, a way to show this person, I am for you, I'm on your team, I may not be able to get behind you financially right now. I'm going to relook at it, you know, when, and, you know, six months from now or when that new job starts rolling in or whatever. But I want you to know, as far as people on this planet, I am behind you, I'm on your team. It's just a different way to kind of think about the same thing. Yeah, man. It's an excellent idea. Uh Jed, I'd like you to kind of loop back to another angle on what Glenn started us off with. Talk about, you know, we opened this whole thing, Glenn's saying, if you're, if cheer has gone, we've, yeah. we know we've run aground, which is very true. But what if we took that a step further and said, I'm looking for where the joy is in giving? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's it. You know, I should say for the person who wrote in this question, you know, we really appreciate your heart. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's such a rare thing to say, you know, there's just so much need and I wish I could do something about all of it. That actually um, is rare. It's very, very rare. And, you know, one of the things that's true is something we talk about a lot is the idea, if the devil can't pull you out, he'll push you deeper mm-hmm. in. You know, if, if the devil can't convince you to to sin by not doing what God's asking you to do, then he'll try and mess you up by getting you to overdo what God's asking you to do. Right. Um, that's that's, and I think that's what he's trying to do to you here. Because again, you mm-hmm. I really respect your heart, and it's it's really rare, and it's really cool that you you have that heart to help as much as you can. Um, the Bible says that the joy of the Lord will be our strength. Um, mm-hmm. When joy has left the building, that's a sign that something's gone wrong. Um, that's that's a sign that that um, we're we're looking at something wrong or doing something wrong, and not that no, we need to beat up on ourselves. Since, but we do need to to rejigger how we have things set up. We do, we do need to, to take a slightly different approach. 
giving should give you joy. Mm-hmm. Um, giving should result in you feeling a sense of joy and satisfaction and, and pleasure. And if we're not experiencing those things, then we may have something in that chain wrong. The, the thing I'd encourage you to do is, is actually a two-step process. Is I'd encourage you to look at joy as the barometer for when you're doing giving right. Yep. Um, that, that when you are doing giving the way God intends, I think you should experience joy in your heart as a result. As you grow in that, the thing I'd encourage you to look at, um, this is kind of a, a, a little bit more advanced thing, but you've heard us talk on this podcast before about the idea of learning to listen for the still small voice of the Holy Spirit in prayer. Uh, and it's a very, very important part of growing as a Christian. And I'd encourage you, and it's not something you jump right into and, and are immediately good at, so it's no pressure, but I'd encourage you to add that into the mix as you look at which needs you're trying to respond to. Is, is to listen for that leading of the Holy Spirit in prayer, that still mm-hmm. small voice of, which of these things are something, Lord, that you're asking me to do yeah. something about? You live in a world where there's far more need than you will ever be able to address. Right. Um, and God is not asking you to address all of it. But there, there are certain things that he does want you to be a part of. Some of that may be financially. Some of that may be prayer. Some of that may be volunteer stuff. Some of that may be donating goods you have you're not using anymore. But let God actually direct that process. Um, start with joy. Start with using joy as the barometer. But as you grow in that, start listening for the voice of the Holy Spirit in prayer. Let him direct that process. Let him give you wisdom mm-hmm. on why a particular thing is the thing he wants you involved in. Not just not just direction. Direction is which one, but mm-hmm. wisdom is why. Mm-hmm. Seek, seek both of those. The more that you do that, the, you'll have not only joy in that process, but you'll have confidence mm-hmm. in that process mm-hmm. as There'll well. There'll be a peace to it. Yeah, peace about it. And you deserve to have that. God wants that joy and that peace for you, and we want that for you too. Yeah. You've heard a lot of really great, um, both practical and theoretical ideas there, some big concepts. I want to hit you with two a couple of really quick, very, very practical things. So one of these is obviously when people get kind of in this guilt mentality about giving, which it happens to all of us, happens to everybody. Um, one of the things obviously is God is going to be mad at me if I mess this up and don't give, you know, every penny I have to this. Lee made a great point on that. If you give away everything, if, if you give away your rent payment, so someone can have a house. Now you don't have a house. Yeah, right. And we have not improved the yep. predicament of the overall yeah. situation. The, the net so, homelessness has not changed. Yes, we, we've not <laughs> affected the net number of people who don't have anywhere to live. So that's again, that's kind of one of those things we have to put through the emotion of that and look, actually look at it. But the other one, obviously, is is everybody gonna is everybody who's asking gonna be mad at me mm. if I don't give them anything? Two quick things on that. As all these guys have pointed out, we all fundraise for a living. So here's the thing: one. If you actually don't have any money and you can't give, that puts you miles ahead of some other people. Because at least the three of us here in Chicago have all had people who make literally hundreds of thousands of dollars a year Yeah, say, mm-hmm. I just wish things weren't so tight right now. Right. The market's tight, bro. Market's the market's tight. tight. <laughs> I can't remember which uh, person it was up here, but somebody has had someone who works in downtown Chicago in the loop say to them, you know, people think lawyers make a lot of money, but uh, I just... That, that would be me. That would be Jed. That yeah. sounds like a Jed story, to be yeah. entirely honest. So, look, if you, we, we do depend on the generosity, but that means we see a lot of what is just straight-up non-generosity. So if you come and say, hey, I'd love to help you out, but literally, you know. I have no money. Yeah, I'm tapped here, so sorry. We, and we've all had people say that to us. We've all had people cir- whose circumstances change, and they have to make what I think everyone who's done this to me has thought I was going to like yell at them or something, send that email of, hey, I got to, you know, beginning of the year, we just, you know, college and medical bills, and I just got to switch off. Okay. okay. Yeah. That makes sense. I don't want you to not get yeah, medicine. Right. 
<laughs> because that that would make me feel bad. Right, that's right. And part of that is all of us up here, and this is, comes from Glenn Down, we have a diversified strategy here. None of us are dependent on one person giving because right. that would be bad. Yeah. But the other thing about that is very specific, but to your question, you mentioned, you know, everybody seems to hit at the end of the year. That's actually a thing in the nonprofit world, year-end giving. Right. Because a lot of everybody has kind of yearly costs that have to get paid at the beginning of the year. And also a lot of people, particularly some wealthier people want, want to do year end giving so they can get it done before the end of the fiscal year. Yeah. So they report on tax that year. So you kind of give them a reminder that they Mm -hmm. can do that. If you are, if you just can't give, you just can't give. The other thing is if you call your friend and say, Hey, I love you. And I know the end of the year thing, but I'm getting that from everybody. So can I call you back in three months? And we see what we do. Nobody's mad about that. Yeah. The, the end of the year thing is not a coincidence. It's a strategic move, but it's also not that everybody's just broke at the end of the year. So yeah. w- hopefully once you know, once we give you some ins and outs on that, you can kind of release yourself from the emotion that you're letting everybody down and yeah. just start to make these uh, decisions in a good and healthy way. Thanks so much for writing in. If you have a question for us, say that podcast at gmail.com, thebridgechicago.tumblr.com. If you write in the Tumblr, please do like our friends did today and mention the podcast so I know you want it read right on here. And take out with a Christmas song, but mm. we're going to take out a little bit of a different Christmas song. Maybe if you're some, we want to look out for our friends who work in the restaurant industry and the retail industry and have had to hear the same 18 songs over and over and over and over and over again for the last month. So this is actually a, an old hymn called Crown Him Lord of All by our friend Glenn Kaiser. But uh, Jed went in and christmas it up a little bit. I really did. A little Christmas spin on it. So we're going to take it out with that. We hope you enjoy it. Thanks for listening. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. Let's say that podcast. Seriously, my thighs are burning. I'm going to jihad that elliptical. <laughs> oh.